Hi! I'm Tally. I'm Adrian. And welcome to the first episode of Bite Size Podcast. Season 7. Woo! Specifically. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Specifically. I was waiting for you to say it. I like figured that you would pick up on the I was hoping. I was hoping that you would say season 7. Because that's what it is. Yeah. We've really been doing this. I think it's been like a couple years now. Yeah, it's like two years, because I just recently saw the Facebook memory of that terrible fucking video that we did with, like, it was, like, two hours long of us just talking about Laura Croft's titties, which was the, (laughs) you know, the origination of this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it all comes back to Laura Croft's titties, you know? Always, always. I love a a Laura Croft titty, you know? The triangle titties, though. Yeah, for sure. Or Definitely a throwback. Pyramid titties, I guess. <laughs> Depending. Yeah, she went to Egypt. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is going to be our space exploration season. If you guys checked out the trailer, you already know that. If not, then welcome. Yeah, and uh, we both are really excited about this um, because space is cool, first of all. Um, yeah. But also, space is relevant. <laughs> It is. It's really relevant. There's a lot of stuff that's happening currently right now that's really interesting with space. And there's a lot of history that's really relevant now with space that we're kind of going to get into in this episode. We'll wait for the current events for a little bit later as we kind of work our way through the timeline. But we are very excited to share it with you. Yeah, it's going to be really cool, you guys. Yeah, so it's been a couple of months, which we usually take like a nice little break. So uh, tell me what you're up to, buddy. Uh, well, recently, I am healing a big old fresh thigh tattoo. Oh, hell yeah! What'd you get? Dude, it's, first of all, it's so big, um, which I'm pleased with, but it right. is a very dapper gizmo from Gremlins. Oh, that rocks! <laughs> he's, oh my gosh! He's so cute! He's so fucking cute! He's wearing a little suit, and he's in a like little... Like a top hat? No. Oh, okay. No, he's got those big, beautiful ears, and he wants to show them off. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's a vibe. That's a vibe. Yeah. So I probably have probably two more sessions, and then and then he'll be good to go. Nice. That whips. I, I love a new tattoo. I've been thinking about tattoos recently, and I really want to get one soon. Yeah, they're fun. Um, not while you're getting them, but they're fun afterwards. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, this has been particularly interesting uh, because it is so big on my thigh like any amount of like pulling down or pulling up any sort of garment uh sucks <laughs> sucks real fucking bad right yeah I uh I've definitely been there uh my thigh tattoo is not super huge uh neither one of them are but you know it was definitely a lot a lot all at once is yeah big. Uh, I didn't know or, that, like, like underwear and stuff were so tight on your thighs until just yeah, recently. Until, until you knew. You don't know until you know, you know? Yeah. So, uh, what have you been up to? Um, everything's been pretty chill. Uh, I did move from Tahoe down to the San Francisco Bay Area, so I'm living here now. I don't Hell know yeah. if we talked about that in the last season or if it was after we had already finished recording for that season, so that's really fun. Um, I got a big old big girl job, and that's working out really well. I'm super happy with it. And also, um, so my 28th birthday is coming up right now, um, and then my 29th birthday is next year. So to kind of like send off my 30s, uh, my friend and I are planning to hike Hadrian's Wall, which is uh, kind of between the border of Scotland and England and uh stretches from coast to coast in the uk so that's gonna be so dope getting that yeah i'm i'm so it's like the cool thing is like it's definitely like i mean there's some elevation gains and stuff like that but it's definitely like less than you know in terms of elevation gain than i've already done in my life um and it's mostly just like a really beautiful walk through the countryside and we're going at the end of april like we're gonna start on the trail like right on my birthday which is april 26th 
Um, so it'll all be like really springy, beautiful. Like apparently April is like one of the most mild months with like the least amount of rain, which I'm super excited about, especially yeah. if I'm going to be on a trail for four days. Um, but yeah, so it's 85 miles from coast to coast and we're getting like the planning and all of that set up. For That's that going right to be now. so awesome. Are you going to have a walking stick? Uh, I'll probably have two walking sticks. I'll probably bring hiking poles with me, uh, just because, you know, why not? Are and you... also, you have a pack on your back, so, like, it does help with, like, stabilization. Right, right. <laughs> Are you going to wear, like, a hobbit cloak? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably, so, I mean, in terms of, like, the gear that we're bringing, it's only four days, so it's not going to be, like, something that's, like, super duper long, um, but I'll probably just, like, mostly be rocking fucking leggings and t-shirts, and then I'll bring probably, like, a waterproof situation. So if we take, like, you know, like, the over-the-head, like, garbage bag status style, uh, then it'll kind of look like a hobbit's cloak. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's so gonna that's, be super uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited, uh, to get out of the United States for a little while. Yeah. That's for sure. It is cool out there. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't have a cool segue today because we didn't really have anything. Oh, no, I set you up perfectly. Oh, did you? You know, it. it's cool out there. <laughs> oh, yeah, just like it is in space because it's <laughs> super, super cold because it's a vacuum. Boom. Terrifyingly freezing. <laughs> So let's talk about space. Baby. I was hoping that you were going to do that, so thank you, for, thank you for doing that for me. I got you. Um, so, of course, in terms of space exploration, we kind of have to get into a little bit of history. There is obviously a lot of history previous to what we're going to start off with here today. Um, and we're not going to we're not going to be covering, like, we're covering red versus blue, so... There are other countries involved that we will not be focusing on. Right. But I think one of the, like, the two most prominent countries in terms of the space race and in terms of, like, trying to get to space were uh, the USSR, uh, now known as Russia, and the United States. So we're yeah. going to kind of get into that first to kind of give you a basis for where we're at in terms of now. So it's not like the study of space. It's about space exploration specifically. Yeah. Space race. So Boom. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're coming from. Um, all right. So uh, let's jump right into this fucking... This is a guy. Um, I wrote out kind of a script, so I'm going to kind of go between that and then just kind of like making side comments. So strap the fuck in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I'm so ready. I have my tea. I'm good to go. Good to go. Hell yeah. Um, so before diving into the achievements of the... Well, I'm red, obviously, so I'm going to talk about this a little bit beforehand, and then we're going to kind of go through a timeline. I don't have to explain this to you. You guys are adults, and you probably already know what our formats are for the most part, <laughs> uh, unless you're new here, in which case, hello. Hi, this is <laughs> what it's like. Welcome to this. <laughs> yeah. Slightly um, organized chaos. <laughs> exactly. Um, so before diving into the achievements of the USSR during the space race... We have to consider a few things. Uh, first of all, the fall of Stalin within the USSR and the Soviet versus American disposition to one another and the after effects of World War II, which of course began the Cold War. Um, in almost all dealings with Russia, it's super important to understand that there's like a deep cultural divide between Eastern Europe and Western thought, culture, and history. Um, so that's just right off the bat. There's a massive divide there. Yeah, uh, keep that in, in mind. Night yeah, keep that in mind. Um, so in 1939, Stalin's Russia had sided with Nazi Germany in order to gain traction of the control of Eastern Europe, a move which certainly provoked worry within the American government, regardless of the fact that they would not involve themselves in the war until 1941. <laughs> Based on my historical findings, I think the United States, while cordial with the USSR, as they were with a lot of people during World War II that they shouldn't have been, um, that the USSR realized that a force of so many military boots on the ground would not be beneficial if it were an enemy. However, it did not dissuade the distrust between the two countries. So they already started off on a bad foot. Russia definitely took, I feel like, 
a little bit of liberty with the fact that, you know, Germany was invading in that area, and obviously they had a much stronger military force, but I think that they wanted to use it to gain control of more of Eastern Europe. Um, so, you know, in terms of war, that's understandable, until that quickly took a turn, and uh, they obviously, like, sided with the Allies, and were like, fuck you, it's a whole Stalingrad thing. There's a lot to get into. We're not going to get that deep into it because that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, but it's out there if you want it. <laughs> exactly. And definitely look it up because it's super interesting. Uh, in the end, both countries set about a divisive war for the countries sided with them based on ideology and political dominance. The United States, terrified of the spread of international communism and the sheer landhold over Eastern Europe, formed NATO, which is a term that's been coming up a lot recently, Yeah. Uh, as as protection against the idea of Russian superiority in Europe, and soon the two nations became embattled in one of the greatest battles of espionage in the world's history, which, of course, is the Cold yeah. War. Yeah, so that's also super interesting. If you're looking for information on the Cold War, definitely look it up, because it is definitely... It's something that I really don't think ever actually ended, as we're kind of seeing now. Um, so, like, you know, knowing history is super important for your present and future, so... Uh, with the death of Stalin in 1953, things began to turn in Russia. For one, uh, Nikita Khrushchev, uh, who is not as fond as his predecessor of killing people, uh, and cool, two, cool. he was in... Yeah, right. It was great. <laughs> uh, he was also incredibly focused after the implementation of America's capabilities of deploying and developing rockets and their aeronautics program, uh, decided to take on a little bit of that for themselves. Um, in 1957, as America experienced a massive post-war boom that indulged a sense of superiority, regardless of, you know, their late entry into the Second World War, uh, the USSR launched not only the first satellite into orbit uh, of the Earth, but also began a battle of technology that would effectively end with the American lunar landing. Um, when Sputnik in 1957 was launched, it caused a great deal of panic, not only within the American government, um, but also, you know, with just like the idea that Russia had surpassed them in technology because they were not expecting that, obviously, like I said, post-war boom, um, but also stirred a panic within the, you know, the public with national, like that a national superpower might be using this technology to aid in attack against America, which a lot of this was like very much propagandized by the United States government. Yeah, um, for sure. But, yeah. Uh, the Cold War itself, for fear of mutually assured destruction, was fought on a basis consisting of politics, espionage, and propaganda from both sides. And one of the greatest events to take place during all of this was the space race. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Um, so, outside of a timeline of Soviet achievements that won them the majority of the space race... America putting boots on the ground on an orbital entity was the declaration of the end. We'll kind of go through the events afterwards. I'm just kind of giving you uh, an overview. Um, however, Russia continued to spend time in low orbit, developing the world's first space station, and the space race officially ended with the shaking of hands during the Apollo-Soyuz mission, uh, which was the first docking of space stations between two countries. Cute! And regardless... <laughs> it was so cute, and I we're gonna put a picture on the Instagram that is like literally probably the cutest oh thing God. I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm very excited for you to see it. I love it. Uh, regardless of the misfortune of the Cold War that blockaded aid to both countries scientifically, which could have produced an international space program that could have, you know, changed the trajectory of the world, <laughs> yeah. propaganda and war hawking, even in this moment, signified the end of the space race. Um, and had both governments, you know, they were both just worried that they were going to steal each other's technology instead yeah. of, you know, joining hands and making something great. We just, you know, got what we, we got. So that's <laughs> fun. Womp womp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sustaining pressure from the United States to accelerate their ICBM program in an attempt to keep up with an assumed Russian technological prowess was later realized when documents were released at the ending of the Soviet Union to have been a complete American fantasy, as the country had been almost entirely crippled financially at the end of World War II, um, as well as with its involvement in the Korean War, which was very close to them, not going to get into it, 
And uh, most historians and cosmonauts alike admit that the reason Russia was not able to walk on the moon first was simply due to lack of funding. Um, bummer, so dude. Said, <laughs> yeah, dude, bummer city, man. Like, you know, we would have we would have seen, like I said, like, even if Russia were the first to do any of these things, it wouldn't have mattered because what really could have brought us all together was like working together you know, as two global superpowers to invest in space exploration. And that very obviously did not fucking happen. Instead, we had this like, you know, crazy show of macho mumbo jumbo that led to some really incredible things for sure. But I feel like with the partnership and friendship, it could have been, you know, so much better. Yeah, for real. You know, I also will never walk on the moon for lack of funding. Yeah, that's true. I uh, and we'll get into that later on in the series. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's run through some dates and some information from the Russian side of things, and then we'll turn it over to Adrian for the American side of things. Yay. Um, so ICBMs, which are internet intercontinental ballistic missiles, so missiles that go a really long way. <laughs> um, the first launch of an ICBM that was, you know, fully operational was uh, August of sorry. The first launch was August of 1957, and the first fully operational launch was in September of 1957. Okay. And then very shortly after, the first satellite and the first signals from space came on October 4th, 1957, with the Sputnik 1 mission. Um, The first mammal uh, in orbit around the Earth was Laika the dog, uh, and this was in November of 1957. So everything moved, like, pretty quickly with Russia. I feel like they definitely had to, like, be, like, this is, we're putting our foot down and we're yeah. getting out there before you and we're going to do as much as possible before you get the chance to do it. For sure. Um, which was unfortunate in a lot of cases, and we'll talk about that in future episodes. Um, the first lunar spacecraft, which was a flyby, not first lunar landing, but the first, uh, lunar spacecraft, the first rocket engine restart in Earth's orbit, and the first spacecraft to leave Earth's orbit, as well as the first spacecraft on an escape trajectory from Earth, was the Luna 1 mission, which was launched January 2nd in 1959, and there was the first heliocentric orbit, which is an orbit around, um, you know, uh, Helios. Uh, yeah. Got it. Yeah. In the solar <laughs> system. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, the first heliocentric orbit, uh, was January, 1959. And then we have the first hard landing on another celestial body, which was the moon. Obviously it wasn't manned and it wasn't an actual like successful, you know, soft landing but it was the first one uh in what's September. the difference between a hard landing and a soft landing uh one being crashing into oh <laughs> literal uh, hard landing <laughs> yeah 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 like a really hard landing instead I was thinking of a soft of like, landing like when a bakery is like we're doing a soft opening this saturday yeah. no 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 so hard landing occurs when an aircraft or spacecraft hits the ground with a greater vertical speed and force than in cool. a normal landing great <laughs> yeah so that was september of 1959 um, and that was the Luna 2 project. The Luna 3 project brought us the first three-axis stabilized uh, aircraft. Not access like A-C-C-E-S-S, but axes, axes, like A-X-I-S. Uh, just had to, you know, clarify there. Right. Um, <laughs> so first stabilized spacecraft. The first photos of the far side of the moon covering 70% of the Earth in, or the surface invisible from Earth. The first automated onboard development of photographic film and conversion to radio signals. The first gravity assist or slingshot returning the spacecraft to the Earth to retrieve the photos. And that was in October of 1959. Uh, Moving on to the 60s here. uh, In August of 1960, on the Sputnik five well it's technically the core Sputnik 2 but it's Sputnik mission number five 
Uh, the first animals and plants returned alive from space, which was Belka and Strauka, the other two space dogs, and the first capsule recovered from orbit. So that was the first time that a capsule carrying something was retrieved from orbit and the creatures were alive, cool. which is graced. They're great. And we'll talk about that uh, a little bit in our next episode. Um, in 1961, we have the first launch from Earth orbit of upper stage into a heliocentric orbit. So it's out of Earth's, like, you know, kind of low orbit and all the way, you know, into that heliocentric <laughs> orbit. Um, the first mid-course correction, so the per like, the first, like, corrections able to, like, be able to stop them from, uh, going the wrong direction by, like, emitting bursts of air. And then also the first spin stabilization, which is very similar to course correction, obviously. You don't want to be like, you know, when you're right. up in space, spinning like a crazy top up there. Yeah, nobody um, wants that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the first human spaceflight, which this was a really big one, was on Vostok 1, and it carried in its mist the beautiful, the wonderful uh, Yuri, I think it's Gagarin. Gagarin, I'm so sorry. I <laughs> I apologize. I'm it's so in Gaga love with him. And Rin. I, Gaga Rin. I, I'm so in love with him and I don't know how to say his name. I apologize. Rip. Um, so that was that was April twelfth of nineteen sixty one. It was also, you know, obviously it's the first orbital flight of a manned a manned vehicle. And this one's really cool. Um, obviously there was like a lot of propaganda coming from both sides. But, um, there, um, like, the American government said that, you know, the Russian went up into space and said that there was no God or something like that. But what actually happened, loose translation, and I'm also picking this from just, like, facts that I know about stuff, so obviously this isn't a direct quote, but essentially he, like, got up, saw the curvature of the Earth, saw all of it, and was like, oh my God, it's so fucking beautiful up here, like, you know, God you know, lives within, like, I don't understand how you could go up and see all of that without believing in God, and also, God, I wish that we could all just get along, pretty much. Obviously, like I said, not direct quote, <laughs> but he did, like, make some, like, really astute observations about the fact that, like, we're all litty b little itty-bitty, and we should all just love each other, and, Aww. yeah, so. We don't, though. <laughs> Yeah, we don't, though, which sucks, because that was in 1961, yeah. and here we are today. <laughs> Still hating. Still hating. Still big haters. <laughs> um, so, the first planetary flyby was a flyby of Venus, and that was the Venera 1 mission in 1961. Sorry, there's, there's quite a lot of, like, in-between back and forth, so I'm trying to, like, run through this as quickly as possible. In fact, I might kind of just, like, pick... Yeah, skip to the good from, ones. Skip to the good bits? Okay. Yeah. That, I think the planetary flyby, that was pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, first dual crewed space flight, um, which was Andrian Nik Nikolev and Pavel Popovich. That one was easy. Um, and they were also the first to do space to space, spacecraft to spacecraft audio contact. Um, cool. So first simultaneous flight of a crewed spacecraft great uh the first mars flyby uh was the mars one which was june of 1963 um the first spacewalk was march of 1965 dope which is great yeah um the first soft landing on another celestial body which was the moon and the first photos from another celestial body was the luna 9 mission in 1966 um, also the first landing, it was a hard landing, but the first landing on another planet, which was Venus, was 1966. Um, first satellite to orbit the moon, 1966. Um, first docking of two remote-controlled spacecraft, 1967. First return to Earth after circling the moon, the moon, the moon, <laughs> the moon, <laughs> uh, was 1968. Um, First lunar rover uh, was 1970, also Russia, well, USSR anyway. Uh, and then in 1971, the first human-crewed space station launched. And that was in 19 April of 1971 on the Salyut 1. I don't know how to... It's, I'm that looks right. I think that was right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, 
And then in 1975 was kind of essentially, like I said, what ended effectively the space race, which was the Soyuz Apollo test project, which was the first multinational human crewed mission, and that occurred in July of 1975. Cute. So lots of really, like, cool back and forth happening. Like, when you look at all, like, when you look at it all laid out like a list, and I'm going to be honest with you, I cheated, and this is the timeline of the space race from Wikipedia. Um, obviously, we did other research other than just this, but, like, for a fully outlined list of all of the cool things that happen, all of the firsts are so fucking interesting. Yeah, for real. And there's a fucking lot of them. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, we had never done it before, and so it's, like, so it was many. something that was really cool to see when we started doing this research. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to tell you about some of the cool things that America did during the space race. Woo! Here I go! <laughs> One, two, three, launch. <laughs> Houston, we have a go. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to be cheesy the whole time. I'm, I'm not. It. I can't do it. Okay. <laughs> but for real, here I go. Let's go. So, in 1946, America did the first cool thing, or their first cool thing for the space mm -hmm. race, and it was the WAC Corporal, um, which is a sounding rocket meaning that it's a rocket that is just like a research rocket. Um, it right. carries instruments, goes up there, takes measurements, comes back down. Um, Not for penis. Yeah, no. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they sent the first rocket basically to the edge of space. Um, nice. Yeah, super cool. And then also in 1946, they, uh, with their V2 mission, they took the first pictures from space um, at 105 kilometer altitude, which I have no idea how many miles that is, but I imagine it's big, similar. Big miles. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a large amount of miles. Yeah. Up there. We can't see it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they launched from the white sands of New Mexico, shot up there in October, clicked some little photographs, sent them back. They're terrible. We will also post that on the Instagram, but it, it's just <laughs> it's like a blurry boomerang. It's not great. It's not physically impressive, but it's impressive that it's from space, I guess. You know what I mean? I mean, I suppose in like 19, in the 1940s. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, it sucked, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then the next, I mean, America did other stuff. In between this, but this is the next cool thing that they did, and it wasn't until 1958. And by cool thing, I mean I'm judging this. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so they sent the first satellite into space. It was Explorer 1. Um, and this was primarily a science instrument. Um, it was, a, they had like a cosmic ray detector um, used to measure the radiation environment in the Earth orbit, which, you know pretty important if you're planning on sending people up there um, yeah yeah so they sent that up and explorer one made its first or its final transmission in uh, may of 1958 and then it entered earth's atmosphere and then it just burned up yeah. in 1970 and that was x amount of dollars just gone <laughs> yeah it did 58,000 orbits though that's a big number of orbits. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, and once it was up in space for this experiment, let's see here. Once in space, this experiment provided by Dr. James Van Allen of University of Iowa revealed a much lower cosmic ray count than expected, which is good. Yes. Uh, Van, Van Allen theorized that the instrument may have been saturated by very strong radiation from a belt of charged particles trapped in space by the Earth's magnetic field. Mm. Yeah, so it was just, uh, it was a success, really. Fuck yeah. Yeah, and Fucking then. Fuck yeah. Yeah, just cruising. Because in 1959, they sent Explorer 6. Nice. That, that other one was Explorer 1. This is Explorer 6. Um, but this Explorer 6 uh, took the first photograph of Earth taken from orbit, um, and this was done by NASA. Uh, so Explorer 6 was like a small little sphere satellite, and it was designed to study trapped radiation of various energies, 
still focusing on these cosmic rays and the geomagnetism of it all and you know just up there just checking shit out checking all those cosmic rays and it also tested a scanning device designed for photographing the Earth's cloud cover, hence the picture. <laughs> yes. Uh, so on August 14th of 1959, Explorer 6 took the first image of, er, of Earth over a satellite. Um, it was over Mexico at an altitude of approximately 27,000 kilometers. Again, think that's a lot of miles. Yeah. Uh, the image was a very crude picture of the North Central Pacific Ocean, so there wasn't, like, cool stuff in it, but it's right. still cool. I agree. And then, in 1961, Alan Shepard is the first American in space. Yay! There's not really much to add to that, except he was the first American to be in space, which yeah. is cool. <laughs> yeah. Right uh, after my boy Yuri. Yeah. Sending him out. Get, Real, getting him a, out there. A literal space race here, people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally. That's a lot of miles to run in a rocket, probably. But So you're not like running, running. But, right. You know. But you, you get know, the picture. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. <laughs> so then in 1962, the OSO-1, which is the mission that they were doing, um, was the first orbital solar observatory. This was also by NASA. So the Orbiting Solar Observatory, or OSO, program was the name of a series of American space telescopes primarily intended to study the sun. So we do talk about the sun a little bit. But, like, not a lot. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, they also included important non-solar experiments. Not sure what those were, but probably butt stuff, if I had to guess. Yeah, probably. I would assume. <laughs> I One can only assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, astronaut John Glenn became the first American in orbit with this situation here. So probably his butt stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine that his butt was super comfortable with the whole situation. I mean, but I it, know that I would be clenched. It was for science, so. Yeah. Butt stuff for science. <laughs> I'm getting the fucking, I'm making bumper stickers right now. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, that's weird and amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in 1965, astronaut Ed White became the first American to do a spacewalk in space. Out Very there, nice. just like, tethered and floating, mm -hmm. I think is how it happens. <laughs> that, we're having like a birds and bees discussion right now. <laughs> yes. Just a guy hanging from a tail, you know. Yep, just swimming around out in the void of space looking for something to land on. Yeah. <laughs> I think is what his quote was. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's exactly what he said. Um, I am a spatial sperm. <laughs> and the moon is an ovum. <laughs> I'm just looking for my Venus out here. Just like a whole lot of sex stuff. I, I don't <laughs> know I why. I didn't expect. I know. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I can't stop. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Just work with it. Just run with it, you know? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm drop my phone. Don't. <clears throat> okay. Anyway. <laughs> all right. So, in 1966, uh, June 2nd, Surveyor 1 became the first American spacecraft to land on the moon. I don't know if it was hard or soft, but it was up there. It counts. <laughs> <laughs> I tell myself that every day. <laughs> Okay, and then 1967 is when we get Apollo 1. Big deal, I think. I think all of the Apollos were pretty something. They were something. They were Apollos. Yep. So Apollo 1 was initially designated AS-204, uh, but no one could remember it, so they named it Apollo 1. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not very catchy. That was like the 1960s marketing uh, firms that were just like, nah, that'll never work. Yeah, we can't make a movie about that. Uh, so that was the first crewed mission of the United States Apollo program and the undertaking to land the first man on the moon. So like the Apollos, all of the things, all of the numbers, um, they were all just like, we got to get a fucking dude on the moon. Here's what we do. 
so it was planned, Apollo 1 was planned to launch on February 21st of 1967 as the first low Earth orbital test of the Apollo Command Service Module. The mission never flew, though. A cabin fire during the launch rehearsal test at Cape Kennedy Air Force Station Launch Complex 34 <laughs> on January 27th killed all three of the dudes. Um, so that and was... now I feel bad for fucking laughing. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um... But don't worry, you didn't know that I this didn't was know. The one. I was gonna make like a funny joke about like a cabin fire, like who was oh, yeah. launching spacecrafts don't. in the woods. <laughs> it was a cabin fire. Ugh. Aircraft Ugh. cabin, not and then there was dead guys. Now I feel yeah. really bad. Three okay. dead guys, in fact. Command pilot Gus Grissom, which I love that name. I love that name, Gus Grissom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, senior pilot Ed White and uh, pilot Roger B. Chaffee. 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 I don't know. I Don't ask me. <laughs> Chaffee. Chaffee. Roger Chaffee. <laughs> anyway. Fuck. Okay, whatever. Um, they were the ones that were supposed to be in Apollo 1. Um, they were the chosen crew, and it was made official by NASA in their honor file in their honor after the fire. Um, the ignition source of the fire was determined to be electrical and the fire spread rapidly due to combustible, combustible nylon material and the high pressure, pure oxygen cabin atmosphere. Rescue was prevented by the plug door hatch, which could not be opened against the internal pressure of the cabin because the rocket was unfueled the test had not been considered hazardous, and that's why they had, like, really no emergency preparedness at all. They didn't think that fire was a possibility without fuel. Um, and it was a very hard and sad lesson that they learned. I never knew about these people. Yeah. Like, when you talk about the, uh, like, obviously, like, NASA, like, did a thing, and I'm sure that if you're, like, more into you know, space stuff during that era or, like, the space race in general, I'm sure that you probably knew about them. But I had never heard of them until you brought it up just now. Yeah, and the, the only reason that I knew really before um, doing my research was when I was in that NASA competition, we went to the Apollo 1 memorial. Oh, okay. For sure. Um, yeah. I wonder if they were, like, the first people to die in, like pursuit of space travel as well it's possible i don't know the answer to that but um i would imagine right i, I mean i i didn't come across anything uh about uh like cosmonauts before yuri so i, I can't be sure yeah and it was yeah. you know right as people were getting into space um mm -hmm. so it's totally possible right damn that's wild yeah Super crazy. Uh, so, moving on from the SADs, um, yeah. <laughs> in 1968, Apollo 8 launched. Um, it was in December. It was the winter solstice, in fact, December 21st. Um, Apollo 8 was launched, and later her crew members became the first men to orbit the moon. Hell yeah. And then 1969, we get Apollo 11. Boom. That's the big one. Yep. Uh, first human on the moon and first space launch from a celestial body. Um, yeah. Of course, it was all faked for sure. Oh, yeah. Big fake. Um, Commander Neil Armstrong and pilot Buzz Aldrin were the first to boots on the moon. They did it. 1969. Boots on the moon. <laughs> didn't, didn't Buzz Aldrin like full on like punch a man? Well, who hasn't? I mean, yeah, especially during that time, there was a lot more funny. But I can't remember. We'll get back to it later. But I'm pretty sure, like, he punched a guy for saying that the moon landing wasn't real and also being a racist. Cool. Good for him. Yeah, I love punching racists. Same. I'm going to let that sit for a moment. In 1972, <laughs> Apollo 17. <laughs> um... 
And this has ties to current times, which is cool. Um, so 50 years ago, <clears throat> the astronauts on this Apollo mission, um, they hammered a pair of tubes, 14 inch long tubes into the surface of the moon. And then they sealed those bad boys up with rocks and soil. And then the astronauts, Eugene Kernan and Harrison Jack Schmidt, uh, they vacuum sealed these tubes, took them back to Earth, and they were like, let's hang on to these for 50 years. And then they did, <laughs> and they opened them just recently. Nice. What did they find? Gas. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Damn, I knew, I knew. Damn, Moon, what you doing with that thing? Yeah. That thing be thangin'. Yeah, um, let's see. What did I actually write, though? Um, Somebody now... the Moon a uh, Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, scientists at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston are preparing to carefully open that first tube, which has remained tightly sealed all these years since 1972, the last time humans set foot on the Moon. Which is a long fucking time ago. Yeah, but also not like very the moon's, long. The moon's right there. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're too busy, you know, getting into other things to do anything important. In right, I'm not mad about it or anything. <laughs> right. Anyways, the unsealed tube from that mission was opened in 2019, and the layer of lunar soil had been preserved, and the sample offered insight into subjects like landslides and airless spaces, which is pretty cool and important if we're trying to build on that big old moon up there. Yeah. And then it says, because the sample being opened now has been sealed, it may contain something in addition to rocks and soil. Gas! <laughs> The tube, <laughs> yeah, the tube can contain substances known as volatiles, which evaporate at normal temperatures, such as I water, ice, and carbon dioxide. The materials I do that up too. It's not I'm that impressive. <laughs> I'll do it right now. I'll literally do it right now. Well, maybe not. That might be, <laughs> might be a little bit personal for our internet audience. <laughs> yeah, we don't know them like that. Mm-mm. Uh, yeah, the materials at the bottom of the tube were extremely cold at the time they were collected. So, like, you know, heating them up could have all this gaseous side effect. Right. So the ana analysis of these samples is connected to NASA's Artemis missions, which will send humans to the moon for the first time in over 50 years. Part of the plan for Artemis is to bring a woman and a person of color to the moon's surface for the very first time. And that's, that's what I got for America's uh, dog in the space race. Yeah. Talking talk about dogs, we'll talk about that next episode. <sighs> I know. I'm very excited. I, and I'll have to tell everyone how I am a big, giant baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, we won't get too into it, obviously, because we want to wait for it, you know, the, you know, other things. But there is a happy ending to a very sad story, and I think that that's the most important part. It is. Hopefully. And I'm, and I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it's still fucking sad, but, like, you yeah. know, good things happen after. Right, So we'll yeah, talk about you know. all of the good stuff. Some casual murder for, yeah. you know, the betterment of us all. Right, exactly. We'll we'll get into it. I'm I'm excited to talk about it because I'm a huge fan. I actually like that's gonna be probably one of my next tattoos is like the dog and probably Dope. Belka and Stroke it too. Cute. Um, yeah, I love a pup. I love a pup. I do too. <laughs> um, so yeah, I I honestly like that's good to hear that there's you know progression and people still wanting to try and achieve things in space. Um, cause I think it's super important. I think that it's definitely something that should be an international project and should be shared, you know, amongst all countries so that we can like, you know, better the human race as opposed sure. to just being fucking shitty motherfuckers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that means that there's hope for the future for all of us, not just some of us. <clears throat> yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. So yeah, there it is. Yeah, episode one, season seven, done. Yeah. 
Done. Well, not quite. We're going to talk about some other things. <laughs> but, uh, but in terms of the space race, that's a, that's your briefer history of that specific period of time. Yeah. And uh, just really quick while I'm thinking about it, um, I got a lot of my information from Wikipedia, obviously, um, but also tooling around on the NASA website. They have like write-ups about all of their missions, which is super cool. Um, so it's all available out there. Um, I also used NPR article about um, the NASA moon samples and just more various nasa.gov slash mission underscore pages articles. Hell yeah. Um, so I also used uh, Wikipedia. Mostly that was for the timeline. Um, the rest of the information that I got today came from the Royal Museum's, uh, I don't know if it's Greenwich or Greenwich. It's probably Greenwich, but it's English. So, you know, you never know with those, yeah, with those guys. Um, and then also the research library from Vanderbilt University, space.com and, uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica. Dope great sources yeah i felt pretty proud of myself honestly the write-up that i did about the ussr i feel like was pretty good um there you know i do have some like personal bias in uh in the footing of of this stuff especially between like you know the idea of it's you ha- and I said this at the beginning, you have to kind of like step around it very lightly because there was a lot of propaganda on both sides. I'm not saying it was all the right. United States, but For during sure. that same period of time, the United States was doing awful, horrible things to like its own citizens. So it's like, you know, yeah. do you trust them as far as you can launch them into space? I have no money, nor any understanding of rockets, can't launch them very far. So yeah. <laughs> there's no you know, real good guys. <laughs> No, no, it's not. There's, I don't think there really ever have been, except for very few specific instances during very few specific times. Yeah, um, and even then it's questionable if you right. look further into their history. Yeah, because why are you doing it, huh? What's the motive behind it? And it sucks that there has to be a motive. Yeah. Um. So the personal bias isn't necessarily on one side or another, but rather being very cautious of both sides and understanding that there is a significant difference in the cultural heritage of both of these areas. For sure. So. Crazy, man. Uh, and, yeah, if if we said something that's incorrect, please let us know and correct us. We are not space scientists. No. No, I'm not. I'm also not a historian. I just, no. like like it so i could be totally wrong about something and please tell us so that we can add it to corrections for future episodes yeah we love to learn which is like one of the biggest reasons i think that we do this (laughs) yeah absolutely the the loving of learning is why the podcasting yeah boom there you go yeah so uh what have you been playing lately (sighs) My god, I don't want to talk about it. Is it Elden Ring? Yeah, it's Elden Ring, 100%. (laughs) I don't know if it's, like, playing so much as just fucking struggling. Um, Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like, bad at Souls games by any stretch of the imagination, for sure, but this one seems to be, like, more difficult than other ones to me anyways. Um, That's what I've heard. It's just, like, you know, I, like... I'm just, I also like, because I've got so many other things going on, we've got this, I've got work, I've got, you know, I I play games with friends, like, I still play Dead by Daylight all the time, um, and especially, uh, like, work and just, like, social life stuff with, like, my IRL friends that are, like, I live with. (laughs) Right. Um, it's definitely hard to find time to play it for a while. I was also streaming four days a week right when it came out and right when I purchased it, but I was streaming Dead by Daylight and I didn't really, really want to, you know, embarrass myself on the fucking internet so I didn't stream Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I haven't gotten a lot of chance to, like, really dig into it, but I have put my stream on hold for a little bit because I'm doing some more research into a couple different things and kind of redirecting my time, so I'll have a lot more time to play Elden Ring. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been playing. <laughs> nice. Hell Yeah. 
Um, and you, what have you been playing? Well, I am nearing the end of Arietta of Spirit. Ooh, exciting. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Um, we did do an indie review of this. If you are a Patreon subscriber at the toppest tier, um, you can check it out. Um, yeah, six bucks just, a month, people. Not that bad. It's really not. And you get more stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're able to do more of this stuff. We're hopefully our uh, our next goal is definitely to look for a person to manage our social media because we're not great at it. Also, if you do that, please hit us up. Our email is on our website, bitesizepodcast.com. That's B-I-T-E-S-I-Z-E-Podcast.com. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Arietta of Spirit, um, super cute, super fun. And yeah, I am going to beat it, which is cool because I don't usually finish games because I am like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a vibe. That's totally, totally understandable. Yeah, but it's a quick game. It's only like four or five hours long, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. would recommend. Yeah, 10 out of 10. We also did a really cool thing where we put actual video of our gameplay up for our Patreon patrons as well. Um, so if you guys have any interest in hearing more about that or seeing more, as well as all of the other super fun goodies, today and right now is a really great time to get a little further into our Patreon. Um, obviously, like we said, we're working towards getting a social media manager. I'm sure at some point we'd also like to upgrade our equipment, but right now our patrons completely support this show. Um, so obviously we don't have any kind of advertisements. It pays for all of our web hosting, our storage space, and our website, um, which has all of our information on it and where to find us and how to, you know, get our social media, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so huge thank you to everyone who is a patron now and anyone who chooses to join the Bite Size Buddies in the future. Um, like I said yeah. earlier, all of that information is available on our website, which is bitesizepodcast.com. That's B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E podcast.com. Um, that will have all of our Patreon information, all of our social media, as well as a little mail button at the bottom if you want to send us a good old-fashioned email. Um, if you want to go directly to our Patreon, though, it's just patreon.com slash podcast. Yeah, and if you want to support the show and you don't have the extra money, which is totally understandable, times be hard, um, please tell your friends and like us or whatever. Yeah, social media (laughs) sharing and liking, they cost zero (laughs) dollars. Yeah, and it helps us get up there so other people can listen to us. Yeah, we want to spread the word, bird. Yeah, so thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks. And welcome to a new season. We're so excited. So excited, so fun. Yay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.